0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. I'm Mike Hoss, and we are joined by... Saints executive vice president and general manager, Mickey Loomis. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions, but let's talk about the news of the day, and that being Jari Evans, the assistant offensive line coach who was part of that 2006 draft class, one of 25 semifinalists for the NFL Hall of Fame. This is the second straight season for Jari. So let's just talk about first as, as a player, Eleven straight seasons, six times uh, Pro Bowl, and, and really, you know what kind of a, what kind of a player he was. Uh, you know, for this football team.
3: Yeah, look, Jerry, uh, um, Jerry's fantastic. He's first of all, he's a fantastic human being. He's a great teammate, not a good one. A great teammate, um, great representative of the New Orleans Saints. Um, he, he uh, There was a stretch of time there, and we can argue about how long it was, but it was definitely a stretch where he was the best guard in the NFL and best guard in football, maybe the best offensive lineman in football for a period of time. Uh, he was a fantastic player, and um, it's well-deserved that he's in this group, and I think um, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame.
2: So he was drafted in the fourth round, 108th, so out of Bloomberg – University, it's changed its name a little bit. It's a small small town between Scranton and Harrisburg. Uh, so 107 picks before him. Tell me about the process about finding him, you know, in, in Bloomsburg University.
3: Yeah, look, it was um, – that's a product of good scouting by our area scout. Um, good job by Rick Griperish, who was a um, college director then um and then you know doug marone went out worked him out loved him so it was it, you know it's the process that you expect uh, um area scout national scout coach all getting a chance to get their eyes uh, on them and and go through the interview process and the evaluation process and coming to a conclusion that uh you know, he'd be a be, uh, a, you know, a good asset for us. Obviously, if we thought he was going to be a future Hall of Famer, we'd have taken him earlier than the, <laughs> we found. um, but look, there's always questions. You know, when it's a smaller school, and the competition level is different than with the bigger schools, there's always that that, you know, question of of, you know, how's it going to translate? Because he was a dominant player, at Bloomsburg, and and uh, ended up being a dominant player. For us, almost right from the beginning,
2: and finally, just at least on Jari, anyway, uh just feels like, you know, some guys w- are made for coaching. Some guys don't, don't. It just feels like he, maybe, you know, I know Zach in Denver now, but it just feels like Jari Evans is is kind of has that mentality. He's gonna be. A, he's gonna be a, a great coach.
3: Yeah, I I believe so too, and and. Look, he's 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 really smart. Um, He's very diligent, good worker. Um, And he's got the advantage of, you know, having been there and done that. And so he when he uh, you know, when he talks to players about a technique or a fundamental, you know, they know that he's speaking from experience, uh, experience in the NFL. So he's got all the qualities to be a great coach. and, And the most important thing is that it's something that he really wants to do. So this
2: team will be, as it uh, has in the past, a couple of times, we've talked about it. You, it's a tough loss, 24-15 in Atlanta. Uh, and so now you're, it's it's uh, it's how this team answers and how it faces adversity with still six games to go and everything to play for.
3: Yeah, look, it was, um, that was very disappointing not to win uh, in Atlanta, um, particularly disappointing when you you know, get into the red zone five times. Um, We're also on their side of the 40 yard line and an additional time and to only come away with five field goals is, is, um, is disappointing. And you know, there's a lot of good things that are happening. Mike, you know how I am. I'm going to look at, at the things that are positive and, and understand how we can keep those going. And then look at the things that we're not doing well and try to figure out how can we improve in those areas. And there's a lot of things that we're doing well, but Finishing off drives and scoring uh, is not one of them.
2: And I guess really, we've talked about the red zone situation before, but the the difference is clearly this week, uh, turnovers in the red zone. Now, you got a turnover from them in the red zone, but I, I can't imagine that there's much from a momentum standpoint tougher than... You're moving down in their red zone, looking to score and go up, maybe you know, ten off and seven, or whatever, right? But the pick six—I mean, that, that's a momentum shift uh, of significance.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, look, their their guy, uh, their safety made a great play. Um, and, and and you know, you can look and say, "Hey, it was a mistake. The throw was a mistake." And and I think I'm sure Derek would say it is. And yet, at the same time, that guy just made a great play, and sometimes it happens. But we get, you know, we, get, we have to be able to bounce back from those kinds of things. And look, I thought we did. We had a chance, you know, we had a couple ch- chances to um, we climb back in the game. We had a number of chances to score other touchdowns and take control of the game, and and just couldn't finish off drives. And and it wasn't any one thing. It's, you know, it's it's a a, a drop ball or it's a it's a penalty. It's it's uh, um, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that keep you from from um, finishing off drives and, and look, we've made a habit of that in this season and we've get, you know, if we're going to uh, accomplish the things we want to accomplish, we've got to get over that. And, and, uh, and look, we have a history of doing that. I mean, we've had 17 years. I think it is a string of 17 years up through last year of, of, um, being over 50% conversion rate in the, in the uh, TDs in the red zone. And so uh, you know, we, we have a history of success there. And and look, we're calling a lot of the same plays and we're just not finishing that off. We need to do that.
2: And kind of the last question on Atlanta, which is just I know it, it from from Dennis Allen and his defensive background, the inability to kind of or for other teams to run the ball on you, especially in the fourth quarter when you know they're going to run and they are able to kind of do so uh, just magnifies the frustration.
3: Yeah, look, you know, defense gave up 17 points overall. I mean, that that's a winning performance in terms of points, but, and the but is, given the kind of game it was, you know, we needed to get a stop, um, particularly in the last two drives in the four-minute offense, and, and it was disappointing not to do that.
2: We will take a break. We're, we're talking with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. This is The Saints Hour, back after this on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back. This is the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis, the Detroit Lions, come to town. They've had their, you know, many buys, so to speak, but they'll they'll come in kind of, you know, at least, you know, I know Dan, I listened to the Dan Campbell press conference. They had a tough loss Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, at home. Green Bay, and there were a lot of questions yesterday about Dan Campbell because you got you know him well. He was he was part of the 0-9 team, but he was injured. But certainly a, a coach for many years with this franchise. So again, a, a person that you know uh, personally.
3: Yeah, he's a fantastic coach. He's a fantastic person. Um, love being around him. Man, um, what 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 he and, and his staff and Brett Holmes have done. Um, to elevate the Detroit Lions from a long period of, of uh, you know tough years is is fantastic. And and you know they they lost last Thursday, so at home, so they'll come in here angry and desperate, and we're gonna have to match that intensity.
2: And it was and it's it's one of these processes where no team is immune. So the Lions had like. 464 yards of offense, so almost 500 yards of offense. They did. They ran the ball well. They did well in the red zone, but they lose. And it's they had three turn, three fumbles. One of them being a sack fumble that ended up being a touchdown. Same kind of thing. It's not about, you know, you can look at certain numbers and pull certain numbers away, but and three turnovers where one of them is a, is a touchdown. It, I don't care who you are, where who you're playing, they're that's hard to
3: overcome. Yeah, it is. And, um, but I would say this, look, they're very explosive that, you know, they've, they've, um, they've done a good job of overcoming turnovers. I mean, they're minus five, I think in the uh, takeaway yeah. ratio, and yet right. they've got a, they've got a darn good record. You know, we're plus six and we have a losing record. That's really unusual. Um, uh, again, because, you know, we haven't been able to turn those, um, those turnovers into, into touchdowns. And so, um, yeah, they're going to they're be a tough opponent. There's no question about it.
2: I was a little, I guess I, you know, I follow whoever you're playing next. I couldn't tell you anything other than the, your next opponent. So I was a little, when the NFL rankings came out, they are the number two offense in the NFL behind only Miami, better than Philly, better than KC. better than Buffalo, better than a lot of teams. I mean, this, you know, not always known for for offense in Detroit but they have done a really really good job running the football and and when golf is on throwing the ball as well.
3: Yeah, look, they've uh, yeah, they've done a they've done a great job uh, um and look their defense is is you know in the top 10. So yeah. they've done a good job on both sides of the ball. Aaron Glenn over there is a defensive coordinator and and um, they've been able to turn that defense around the last couple of years and and play contra- complementary football. Um I know that's what Dan believes in, and, and and that's what they're doing.
2: It is a rarity, at least feels like it. Uh, it's a three-game homestand. You had a three-game road stand in 2020 and three games on the road back-to-back-to-back to back to back in 2018. Now, 2022 would have been three games at home, but the Minnesota game is in London, so I, 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 don't, I don't count that. So it's the first time since 2014 to have – back to back to back uh, at home. And it's one of the things I looked at on the schedule when it first came out. One was that you were on the road a ton early in the, in the season. But these these next three games at Caesar Superdome, it, it, almost irrespective of what you need to do are just a, important, huge football games.
3: Yeah, they absolutely are. And and um, look, we need to get on a, uh, a string of wins. You know, we need to stack some wins up and we're going to need... You know, it's good. First of all, it's good to be back in New Orleans playing a game. Um, it'll certainly be good to be playing three in a row at home. Um, and we, we need, look, we need our fans to be loud and proud. And we've got to give them a reason to, to uh, be cheering in the dome and make it loud and difficult on our opponents.
2: Didn't take a break. We are speaking with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. We'll be back after this. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee.
0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone
2: Welcome back, Mike Hauss here on the Saints Hour with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And I know that you said when we started at the top of this show that, you know, we can talk and about Atlanta till the, till the cows come home, but it's about kind of focusing something uh, on the positive. I mean, it's Tuesday already, so, you know, it's you guys have already turned your attention to Detroit anyway. Um, one of the things I was kind of looking at was, has been, uh, Alvin Kamara running the ball of late now. And in the last two games, he has, he, you know, not a ton of yards yet. He's averaging, you know, really about 4.7 yards the last two games of that. I feel like he's, and that's just me, right. Uh, but close to really kind of having one of these breakout Alvin games that we've seen.
3: Yeah. Um, look, I, I think Alvin's played, played really well this year. I do, um. You know, he, he was uh, out for the suspension for a bit, but he's come back. He's he's been fantastic for us. Um, look, we get in, you know, we get in a situation in this game where our top three receivers are down, and and um, look, you know, then Alvin and Jamal Williams and you know Taysom Hill, um, Juwan Johnson, they're they're going to have to carry the load in terms of playmaking for us, and so. Um, We've always relied on Alvin um, to make plays for us, and he continues to do that, and we expect, we expect that to continue as well.
2: And one of the things Coach Allen said, and I know we're not going to talk about the injury situation, only that we'll find out Wednesday, but that he feels no matter what that, that the answers will come from in-house. I mean, I assume that's one of the reasons why the NFL is you know one of the reasons you've got the extended practice squad. So, you know, whatever changes have to be made will, will be already there on airline drive.
3: Yeah. Um, look, that's exactly right. You know, we have a, a large practice squad um, and you, you know, you have contingencies for these situations. Typically, you know, you don't have contingency when you lose a bunch of players at one position. Um, sometimes you may have to go outside, but for the most part, um You know, we have guys that can step in and and fill a role um, when asked.
2: Uh, Brian Brzee, we've talked about him and his kind of adaptation and how he's kind of filling in and in another uh, batted-down pass, pass defense to the line of scrimmage. He's got six, I think, this year, which would be the most uh, from any non-defensive back. I mean, it just feels like he's got, you know, a certain sense of of timing uh, for those.
3: Yeah, well that's definitely a skill and and having a knack to do that. He's got that um I'd say he's done some good things for us. He's still developing. You know, it's it's uh, um that's a that's a position that generally is going to take a little time before you know you you reach your potential and 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 yet I think he's done some really good things for us.
2: And Blake Groupie as well. I mean, again, you would have much rather had Blake Groupie, you know, five of six or five of five on extra points and not five of six uh, from field goals. But I mean, he certainly kept you in the game and was a one score game most of the time uh, because of the way that, uh, that he kicked.
3: Yeah. He, he um, yeah, except for the last one, he nailed them right. all. Um, they were tough, you know, number of tough kicks in there. Uh, he's a very talented, you know, young player um and and look we're excited about him we're excited about him for now and we're excited about him for the future
2: I'm just curious uh, if, if the when you look at when they break kicker stats down they do you know like 20 to 29 30 to 39 40 to 49 and 15 and above and, and it feels like this is just me that kickers will make their living in that 40 to 49 range they, every, NFL teams expect you to make 40 and then I don't know that you maybe lose your job 50 plus, but man, your world is in that 40 to 49 range. Is that accurate?
3: Yeah. I, I, I think there's some truth to that. Um, yeah. Cause you're expecting, you're, you're really expecting, you know, all those kicks to be made, um, which is probably a bit unrealistic, but yeah, that's what you expect. You recognize that once you get past 50, you know, that's that's a little harder swing you're hitting with a driver and not a uh, you know not an eight iron and and obviously you're going to be less accurate that way
2: and equally as impressive uh his kickoffs i mean cordell patterson brought a couple back one probably wishes that he didn't <laughs> uh, but he's had 57 kickoffs uh and 51 uh touchbacks i mean for you know a, a guy that if you were sitting in this room with us no no one would believe you know, he, he's an NFL kicker, but that he's gone through that his whole life. But, I mean, his ability on kickoffs to, to have no, you know, returns is very impressive.
3: Yeah, I, look, he's done a good job kicking off. I think some of that is a product of, you know, the way the rules operate this, you know, in, in, in this NFL day. Um, and look, Corderell is typically a guy that will bring it out from anywhere in the end zone. And, and they chose, I think part of their game plan was, was to uh, be really selective in what they brought out, brought out from the end zone. So um, but but the answer to your question is that Blake's done a great job kicking off and and uh, he's got one of the higher ratios of of touchbacks and kickoffs in our league.
2: Where it, it, I know it's a tough week out there, and I know, but you, you've got is part of your job like the the keep people focused on on the on the task at hand and. I'm not saying keep people's chin up, and you know, I, I, but but kind of focus on on the future a little bit. I'm just trying to get a sense of, you know, yeah, are it, tough times, but it is what it is.
3: Well, I look. I think I think it's uh, um, in any industry, any business, um, part of leadership is look when things when things aren't going well, you you can't just be negative. Uh, there's enough negative noise out there. We don't need to be negative. Not, not a lot of people get inspired by negativity. Um, so, so, you know, part of our job is to focus on the positive, focus on what we're doing well, accentuate that and, um, not sweep the things that we aren't doing well under the rug, but attack them and, and improve in those areas. And, um, I believe with all my heart, we got the right people in the building. Um, I know we do. Um, there's too many other things that are good signs. I mean, we're, we're 12th in the league on offense. We just, had, we just had a game where we had 444 yards. We had, you know, five trips into the red zone. We're, we're, you know, in the top 10 in our league and trips to the red, into the red zone. So it's hard to score if you're not getting into the scoring area, we're getting into the scoring area. And historically, um, you know, we've done a good job in that area for, for lots of different reasons, lots of different variables, we're not doing that as well this year. And yet I think we can, Um, you know, I think defensively we've, we've had, we've had, you know, a number of games that we played really, really well. Uh, We've had a few games that we haven't played as well. And yet one thing we have continued to do um, different than past years is we've taken the ball away. I think we're at, uh, if I recall, we're at 14 interceptions. I mean, that, that's a fantastic number. We've got, you know, we're plus six as uh, as I said in the takeaway turnover ratio. That there's a lot of winning football being played, and yet we've got we've, we're doing some things that keep us from from winning. Um, right. And so we've got we've got to focus on that and correct it. And finally,
2: uh, this is week thirteen. This is the My Cause, My Cleats. It started back in 2016. You've got like 20 players. I mean, it's not they're all have different foundations. Some Special Olympics, and like Demario has his devoted dreamers and and we probably you know every tuesday you've got a handful of players at somewhere some school some hospital uh doing something that we don't probably get a chance to talk about some of the impact that they make in the community in and around new orleans and not just during the holiday time
3: yeah look i love my cause my cleats because look i i think nfl players um, are some of the best people in the world they They do so many things that are unsung. Um, they give a lot of their time, a lot of their own personal money to a lot of different things that that benefit their community, not just the New Orleans community but their own communities from where they're from. And I think the unfortunate thing is is that you know in our in our in this day and age in society, we like to focus on the negative things that that happen. And yet there's so many positive stories, so many great things that guys do uh, that they don't get enough credit for. Um, and so I like that. I love that. The My Cause, My Cleats uh, draws a little bit of attention to each of their personal passions um, for their community.
2: Well, it's a huge three game homestand. and looking forward to it for all of these road trips, uh, Detroit, Carolina and then the Giants. Uh, lots to play for. Uh, best of luck and just uh, you know get it get it started and g- good luck this weekend.
3: Thank you, Mike. Appreciate
2: it. Let's pause ten seconds to let stations identify themselves here on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Coming up next, we will talk with Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak about the tough loss to the Falcons and the Detroit Lions coming into town Sunday at noon. This is the Saints Hour. On the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible
0: trade in when you switch.
2: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Haas along with Saints Radio Network sideline reporter Jeff Nowak. And I know you go through and you look at the film and you break down and things. and It's rare for me to have to go back and kind of rewatch the condensed game. But I did for this Atlanta game just because there were so many little nuances that really could have impacted the game early. Third quarter and late. It was a strange game. Again, if you look at the 30,000 foot level and I said, hey, Saints punt once, get two turnovers, run for 148, 444 total yards and win the time of possession on the road, most people I think would have taken that, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean you look at it and there's like like you just pointed out I think I put out a tweet similar to that. It's like there's a lot of stats you could look at independent of what you know happened and like come away thinking like man it, this this game must have gone well. How could it possibly have gone poorly when you win the time of possession by 3 minutes and you outgain the other team by 80 yards and you you make like five red zone trips at all was a lot. Like, there's, you typically don't get that many red zone trips in a game. But, you know, it's it doesn't mean a ton when you don't pay it off for touchdowns. And that's been the story of this season. It's the story of this week. And, you know, I think one of the things that you pull out of it is, like, there's so many weird things that happened in this game. And there were so many kind of unique sets of adverse circumstances. Like, you lose all your wide receivers, the pick six, the fumble. And it's like, well, how do you plan for that? And you can't, but you know, the fr- it's the frustration I think comes in to like, yeah, it's an old for five red zone performance. And you can, you can say, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, but it's just an extension of what has been happening. And you look at it and you say, well, Down the road, this this red zone inefficiency is going to cost the Saints games. You don't know exactly how, but you can tell by looking at it that it's eventually going to manifest in a loss that you should have that shouldn't have been a loss. And I think this was that game. Um, and you know, Blake Groupie made his five kicks. He was dealing with an injury. I think that kind of you you could see that late in the game when he had he had a short kickoff and he had a short uh field goal attempt that last 54 yarder came up short and uh, uh, reports are that they're working out kickers today. So that's just another injury to add to the pile that you kind of have to worry about. And so, yeah, the the Saints had a chance to go in there and come away feeling good about their final six games and where they stood and they just didn't take advantage of it. That's, that's as simple as that.
2: And after the bye week, so now they they go into the bye week, they lose Marshawn and, Mike Thomas to IR and feels like Shahid is going to be out. Olave's in uh, concussion protocol. Thomas gone. So they said it's, you know, Dennison said earlier that, you know, stay within house. So you're looking at uh, Marquez Calloway, John Trey Kirkland, and then <clears throat> they talked about Jimmy Graham uh, being, you know, I guess, would be active, would be a start um you know he's got the one catch eight yards touchdown but uh this is this is a tough week to have very few receivers
1: yeah the, the only guy you didn't mention is probably lynn bowden who you know it's kind hey, of because right. he had two big plays but they were runs you know so i think he's a guy who you can you know maybe have fill some of the pages of the rashid Shaheed, you know kind of plays if you if you need him to and and Rashid's not out there Uh, But yeah, no, it's, it's not a, it's not a pretty picture. The, the out of the box suggestion would be maybe go, go uh, see if Trey over on the Broncos practice squad has any interest in, uh, in uh, making a return trip. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's not a pretty picture. And that's why, you know, this, this game against the the lions, which, you know, you are always going to be the underdog in at home. The lions are kind of the darling of the NFL right now, even though they've played two pretty substandard games in a row. One of them, they, they came back and beat the Bears. The other one they lost on national television to the Packers in and in a divisional game. That you know, you look at it and you're like, you know, that that's the things that can happen in a divisional game, right? No one's looking at the Packers and saying, "Man, this is a superstar team." But they went on on national television and kind of embarrassed the Packers, and that's what the Falcons kind of did to the Saints. So things happen in divisional games, um, but yeah, long story. I mean, we we, it's it's not exactly. Uh, Breaking new ground to say when you're down to Marquez Calloway, Keith Kirkwood, uh, Lynn Bowden and, and whoever else, it's not going to be easy for you on offense.
2: And it's funny because you know, when, when you look at the at the Green Bay Detroit, you know, game book. You know, Green Bay has almost five. I mean, uh, Detroit has almost 500 yards of offense, 464. They're three of four in the red zone, two two goal for go, almost 47% third down, no picks. You're like, ah, at home, they they went easily, but they had three fumbles, and one was returned for a touchdown. I mean, it's it's it was kind of strange. I mean, the 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 Lions have been so. Dominant, except for, like you mentioned, that, that Chicago game, and then the Baltimore Ravens game, which out of nowhere was just like, you know, it sticks out. But beyond that, I, I you know, I, I follow teams so, um, you know, week to week. And I, I was I knew that the Lions were very, very good. I did not realize they were the second best offense in the NFL. I mean, 40 points twice, 30 points, you know, several times I mean, they they had been very efficient.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because it's a, you know, there are certain teams in the NFL that they're going to, they're going to generate their own luck, whether it's good or bad. And the lions are one of them because they're a team that's going to go for it on fourth down. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to run a lot of fake punts. And they did that against the Packers. They ran to try to run a fake pump from their own like 30 yard line in that game. And so you could say, wow, they, you know, they, they moved the ball a ton, but they also, you know, that's, gift wrapping points and it's not, you know, it's similar to what the saints did against the Falcons, right? Like you, you can have all the offense in the world if you want, but if you are not taking advantage of your opportunities and then allowing the other team to steal opportunities and score off of them, you could say that those two turnovers from the saints were a 28 point potential swing in that game because you had, You lost two chances to score touchdowns and you gave up touchdowns off of those turnovers at best. You could say it's a 20 point swing because maybe you kick seven field goals instead of five, but you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be frustrating. And I, I caution saints fans ahead of time when the lions are in fourth and short, do not expect them to kick unless it's like you kick a field goal and win a game. They are going to go for it. They are aggressive. And you know, it's kind of the, the modern Take on decision making in the NFL. You see it a lot more in college than the NFL, but Dan Campbell, the the Lions are very analytics forward. If the analytics say go, they're going. You know, I think the Saints and a lot of other teams will tell you it's kind of 50 50 gut analytics. Like you let the numbers give you an idea and then you make the decision. Personally, I think it should be more like 80 20, where if the analytics say go, you should go unless there is an obvious reason that you feel like you shouldn't um the line and the lions are on the on the definitely on the go side of that so just be prepared for some fakes for some fourth down decisions that might not make a ton of sense and you know the saints you go back to that jags game right like the saints have been susceptible to that and when when you convert on some of those plays it changes the game right when you stop them it also changes the game so it, it can go both ways and when you're talking about an offense that's that's efficient and taking advantage of those opportunities. That's how you put up 30, 40 points in a game because you're not allowing the defense to get off the hook easy. You're making them def- guard every blade of grass and every down. And yeah, that's, that's something the Lions are definitely going to do.
2: Well, they, and so they were behind. So they were one of five they were on fourth down against green Bay and they have run their 13 of 27. So 27 times in 11 games, they have, gone for it on fourth down, and like you say, this, wow. this is not a team that's been, you know, trailing a bunch, right? So they yeah, had won a lot four right? downs for the exactly. most part. You know, they're, they're, their offense is, you know, they're 48%, but just 27 times. They've only been in the red zone 38 times, and it went for it on fourth yeah. down 27 times. So, and that is that is something to be prepared for, and you're right. Like, it, the Saints have done, you know – not well like on the fake punt, but like with uh, Desmond Ritter on, on that fourth down when they've they've had a couple of turnovers on downs that, that can change things. But in the end, it is – it's just like it's the same story. The only difference this week is that there were turnovers in the red zone. And that, that was just, like you say, it multiplies and magnifies the issue. But still, it's – you know, that game could have easily been – if Shahid catches the first catch, seven nothing, and then you know if they do score on that second drive instead of the pick six, it's fourteen nothing, ten nothing. Whatever. Maybe it's a different game. Now, It's easy to play the what if, but we're talking about you know a what if at the you know 7, 10, 15 yard line. It's a, it's 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 doable, but man, I, I feel like it's it's almost it's it's mental now, right? They get into that twenty, and that field must shrink. Uh, for them so much that it's just I just feel like it's mental
1: yeah I mean it 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 could be um you know I think part of it you you look at the play calling you look at the you know what when Dennis Allen says yeah these penalties killed us you go back and you look the penalties did really kill you in a lot of those instances and you know it's it's funny because you kind of try to find the you try to find the common thread and you say what's going wrong but it isn't the same thing every time right whether it's a fumble whether it's an interception whether, you know, it's A.T. Perry thinking he false started, which he he did false start, and you know, I went back and looked, and just not running the route, which, you know, even if he did false start, you still got to run the route, like, because they're not going to call it every time, and, uh, you know, it's that's frustrating. And, you know, I went back and looked at the interesting thing about that play, and it makes me wonder if the, the flub on that play kind of just kind of had everyone flush it and kind of move on and not really take the close look at it, because if you go back and you look, this is the drive right before – the Jesse Bates pick six drive. And if you watch how Jesse was playing that single high uh, in that play to A.T. Perry, that didn't happen. He's breaking on that inside route the whole way. And, he, you know, you come back down, same part of the field, same general look, does it again, gets the pick six. And, you know, it's those things. It's like, oh, well, maybe if you had run the play and kind of looked at it a little more close to you would you, oh, you see that he jumped it. Maybe, you know, either way, it's... <sighs> You know, it's 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 how you lose games, right? That's the recipe for winning, for dominating a game and still losing in terms of moving the ball, controlling time of possession. At the end of the day, you look up and you somehow lost by nine. Right. Um, and you know, it's the the that's why like the whole Jimmy Graham thing is frustrating because you think you know if you're struggling in the red zone, you brought in a guy to be a red zone threat, and maybe this is the week you finally get to see Jimmy Graham. Um, you know, Jawan Juwan Johnson hasn't really been a factor in the red zone. I don't think you've seen a lot of targets for him. Um, you know, Chris Olave, he's gonna rack up a ton of yards. I wouldn't say being a big threat in the red zone is is his is his calling card, right? Mike Thomas is a more physical receiver. Um, but when the Saints have been successful in the red zone, it's because they've run the ball. It's because they've they've made short situations, they've gotten inside the 10. And they've pounded it in and they go on fourth down even and and get it. So I think that's when you, when you want it to get back to success in the red zone for this team specifically, I think you need to focus on running the ball and getting those hard yards and setting yourself up in situations where you're not, you know, just desperation, third downs uh, and like third and 13 from the, you know, 18 yard line kind of thing.
2: Take a break. Mike Haas talking with Jeff Nowak, the Saints radio broadcast sideline reporter. This is, The Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour, Mike Hoss, along with Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak. And, you know, a bit of good news on a Tuesday. And we haven't had a whole lot of good news, but Jari Evans, one of the 25 semifinalists for the Hall of Fame for the second year in a row. Kickers and offensive linemen can get overlooked, but I can't imagine you can keep overlooking Jari Evans in the Hall.
1: No, I mean it's it's good to see him get that get that honor here, and I, you know it was only going to be a matter of time, right? He was that good, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it does it forces you to kind of look back and like you, one of the reasons that this season is so frustrating is because you're not that far removed from just at least from a memory perspective, like you can vividly remember the dominance of the Jari Evans, you know, offensive lines and the Drew Brees offense, and you know that Super Bowl uh, offense and. And it's when you watch it, how it happens and it doesn't work, you're like, well, it seemed so simple back then. But I do think you watch these last few years and it gives you a, a, a you know, if nothing else, it gives you a greater perspective of just how, how dominant Jari and that group was. Uh, because it's not as easy as they made it look.
2: Right. No, I agree. And then, and then you have, you know, your, you know, your starting right tackle bl- uh, blows out a shoe. Like I've, I've never even heard, you know, I've heard maybe wide receivers, something like that, but literally Ryan Ramchek blew out a shoe, which would be a good story. Is that but what happened? I didn't see right. it. Yeah, he just kind of, the shoe kind of exploded. And so he had, oh, it was uh, Kevin Carberry,
1: the offensive line coach. Like a Zion uh, thing?
2: And so he said, yeah, he can't, I mean, the shoe was basically disintegrated. What happens? Well, well, you know, Landon Young comes in, gives up a sack. Third down, all of a sudden, it's a, now, you know, it's a, it's a field goal situation. Uh, Eric McCoy gets injured, but he comes back, but he's got to get new shoulder pads, kind of refitted and tightened. In the meantime, Max Garcia comes in, first play, false start. I mean, it's it's like kind of, you know, those were the penalties. There were, there were only six penalties. You're right, but those penalties, four of them were deep in Atlanta territory. And so you're at first and 20, second and 22, I mean, you know, you wouldn't think six penalties for 50 yards would play a key role in a game, but they did.
1: Yeah, I know there was another one where Ryan, Ryan Ramchick had a holding call on what would yeah. have been a first down two on the opposite end of the field, right? Yeah, I didn't see the, the shoot. Was, I, I, knew he I looked at that. Field, but...
2: That was not a – that was a horrible call.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. But at the point in the game you were without any of your wide receivers – Jawan Johnson also had to leave the field and go back to the locker room and miss some pretty key moments. Um, it just, yeah, th- there was some very frustrating things to watch. And, you know, that's why it's like this team feels like it's got options. It's got answers, but it can't get to them in the right moments. And it's just not a dynamic enough offense to be able to overcome, you know, starting first and 20. And, you know, like there, there's, it's not a great excuse because you should be able to still make, like that. that can't be the end of your drive like you got to be able to overcome some of those situations cuz they're going to happen. They've happened since this beginning of time in the NFL. Like you have to find ways. Um but there just hasn't been any answers and yeah, uh, you know, I I do wonder if if you look at it and you say, "Okay, how do we adjust from from a from a route running perspective without some of these players out there, right? Do you run more screens? I thought the screen game actually worked pretty well in this game and they got to it in the second half. That's really a big part of how you move the ball in the fourth quarter or in the end of the third quarter is you got some misdirection. You got some off balance plays and you were able to let Alvin get into space. You got Lynn Bowden in space, right? And I think that's going to have to be how you, how you find success against the lions and against some of these other teams if you're without, some of your wide receivers and you know you're going to be without mike thomas but it's yeah it's it's a tough way to live when you're constantly throwing behind the sticks um the one thing i will say is the offensive line i thought had a solid game you know it was not the reason you lost um obviously yeah that ryan ramchick going out and hit the sack but even that sack was on third and 13. right and, um, i i just yeah good
2: and so i was i I'm, and, I'm, and if i'm not mistaken the Taysom hill streak ended right yes Did seven yeah. carries 26 yards so they were 18 and one when he carried it seven times and now 18 and two is that correct
1: yes 18 and two although i still think the stat itself you know one of the reasons you were in that game right and had a chance to take the lead and go ahead was because you were getting Casey involved right so i think from the perspective of Okay, is this the right way to go about things? <laughs> it's yeah. still like I think that was a that was a benefit for you in that game. I would like to see them get a little more creative with how they use him, you know, whether it, like we were talking about this at dinner the other night. Like, I don't think we've seen them run a play with Taysom Hill taking the snap and Derek Carr also on the field. And while it might not make a ton of sense if you're just like, well, no one's waiting for Derek Carr to run a route. It's just a chance for you to get Taysom opportunities against looks that are not stacked up to stop the QB run. And, you know, I would love to see more of that, but um, I did appreciate that they got him involved, right? Because that was a big criticism after the Minnesota game was you just cannot come out of a game. You can't get behind and then abandon that part of your offense. Like Taysom Hill is not a situational part of your offense. It is an integral part of your offense. And I think that they did a good job of, making sure they kept to that. Jeff,
2: we appreciate your time. As always, Jeff Nowak, Southline reporter for our Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Broadcast. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you this week. For sure, man. That's our show for tonight. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio
0: Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?